Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast brought to you by the new P770 from TaylorMade. Why practice a draw if you've got a fade? If you can hit it high, why master the stinger? Because the key to better golf is having options you can count on. That's why TaylorMade took everything they learned from making P790, the forge face, the speed foam, and all its DNA and put it into a smaller package. Introducing P770. Let the sibling rivalry begin. Available at your local golf retailer or tailormadegolf.com. Use promo code GOLFCHANNEL for free two-day shipping on any order. Lav, we're home. Well, you're home. I'm at Sea Island for the next tour event. We made it out of Augusta. Uh, It was an eventful Masters. I want to get straight to Dustin Johnson because it was a historic Masters. It was a record Masters. 20 under. He blows away the old scoring record. In retrospect, you wrote a very good story. I don't like to dole out compliments to you because I never seem to hear the end of them when I do. But you wrote a very good story on GolfChannel.com on Sunday night. And you told the story of Dustin Johnson and how his path led there. I mean, how amazing was this story? There's just so many facets to the to the DJ story, which which I think never gets old to write. I mean, we you if you look at Dustin Johnson, and I wrote it, he is he's colossally talented and he's historically resilient and by that i mean no one in golf history has ever gone oh for his first four when holding the 54 hole lead in a major and if you looked at that leaderboard on saturday night and heading into sunday in the, in the final round you would have thought there's absolutely zero chance that dustin johnson is going to blow this masters first of all he's playing as well as he ever has in his entire career which is already a slam dunk hall of fame career he had a four-shot lead over unproven players like Cam Smith and Sung J.M., who, although they've won on the PGA Tour, this is the first time they've ever, ever even sniffed contention in a major. He just tied the 54-hole scoring record at Augusta National, and yet Rex Fumi got to Sunday, and you got to the, the six-tee box. Dustin Johnson's lead had dwindled down to just a single shot, and, and he admittedly was nervous. He admittedly, his, his swing coach, Claude Harmon III, told a great story today that Dustin tried to eat a PB&J sandwich, and he couldn't do it. He was so nervous that he thought it tasted like sandpaper. And so this is a guy who has this perception of, of being kind of aloof and kind of shallow in terms of just not having a whole lot of emotional depth. This was a player who, who had to dig deep and pull this one out. And, and as a result, I think our perception of DJ as a player, as a grinder, as a man, as a world number one, I think I think all of that changed 
by the way that he was able to win this Masters. I would agree with you. I and I think we had some fascinating conversations on Sunday night. You and I went to dinner, and Brandon Chambly was in the bar, and we joined him. And, and I thought it, a, a couple fun turns that I wanted to touch on, when it, specifically when it came to DJ. And, and one of the conversations was, is he an underachiever in his career? And it's, it's hard to say that after – our guy wins the Masters by five strokes, sets a scoring record, everything we could, all the accolades we could throw at him. However, when you look at everything he has done in his career and you watch how he completely dismantled that golf course, that field, Rory McIlroy said it best, when he is playing the game at, at his best, he makes it look too easy. And I think it, th- last week he made it look too easy. And I think on some level, and this is not disrespectful, I mean this as only a compliment, that, yes, based on his performance last week, he is an underachiever because that was amazing. And if you could just apply that across the board, we would be talking about Tiger-esque numbers. And, and I know that's a dark way to turn, and I know that's the, the, always the media fallback. But I think when you look at the entirety of DJ's career as we get going forward, and all of those losses, we can revisit them. And for one reason or another, they didn't. I mean, he, he lost Pebble Beach. He got beat a whistling straight. You can keep going down the line, you know, in whatever side of the fence you want to sit on. But it, it was an amazing performance, and it just makes you wonder, why did it take now for him to get to this spot where he was that confident and that in complete control? Well, just a, a couple of things there. It's not that we think Dustin Johnson is an underachiever. Dustin Johnson said as much earlier this year that he thought he has underachieved and he probably should have won twice as many tournaments that he has won. But I'm, I'm totally with you. And I think the mark of a truly great and a dominant player is the margin of victory. And if you look at Dustin Johnson, he's now won 24 times in the PJ tour. He's had some absolute blowouts. I mean, wins by 11 shots. I covered that one in Boston just a couple of months ago. You have a Masters now by five shots, which was the largest since Tiger won by 12 in 1997. You have six-shot victories, five-shot victories, four-shot victories. I mean, he's absolutely blowing away the competition. And so that was the barroom debate, right, like a couple of years ago. Like, oh, when, when guys are, are at their best, who's, who's best is the best? And, and Rory's name was certainly thrown in there. Jordan Spieth's name was thrown in there at the time. Jason Day, I remember was a was a player who has talked about Brooks Kapka. It is clear, it is clear as day that the answer to that question is Dustin Johnson. And I, I think it's and I, I think it kind of does him a disservice to just say, well, this is just an athletic freak. And when he's clicking it, it's it's great and there isn't a whole lot of work that goes into it. That's not true at all. We had Claude Harmon the third on the show this morning. I'm doing morning drive this week. And 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 Claude now is is in a position where I th- He's one, he's one of six coaches, Rex, who have won the coaches Grand Slam. So he's he's seen great players up close. But there is a lot of work that has gone into transforming DJ into a refined player. You think about off the tee. When he first got on the PGA Tour, he just kind of hit that hard rope hook and he could hit as far as he wanted, but it, it, he didn't know where it was going. They transformed that into more of a, a controlled fade where he can hit it 340 when he gears back but he kind of likes that 310, 315 shot. He is a vastly underrated iron player, which was clearly evidenced at Augusta National where he hit 60 greens, time for the most in Masters history out of the 72 uh, that he possibly played. And his putting, his putting has gotten substantially better. And the reason why is because he's relying on his brother and caddy, Austin. 
that is a, a huge point because when they first started in 2013, we all thought it was a mistake. I guarantee you, if we look back at some of the tweets and some of the stories we wrote from 2013, when DJ went away from Bobby Brown and Joe Acava and put and put his brother on, on the bag, everyone thought that that was a mistake. Everyone thought that he needed a professional caddy who who just knew the ropes and could kind of con- constrain this wild animal. Well, he had out, he had Joe Lacava on the bag for, for I know. a cup of coffee. Yeah. It, and so to go to his brother at the time was a calculated risk. And that's the best thing that's ever happened to him because he's comfortable, he's confident, and, and clearly they just have a, a tremendous rapport together that's allowed him to, to play his best golf. Uh, I feel like you're playing the result uh, on this a little bit too much when you talk about who is the best when they're at their best. And of course, you're going to say DJ coming off that particular performance. Look at his it, margins you, of victories. Uh, it seems like you, we, we could have this conversation about JT. The, ans- we could the have answer this is conversation not, the about answer is Brooks not Rory. two years ago. We could the have this conversation Rory. about Rooks, Rory. And, and look, Rory is, is separated from a major by way too much time and space at this point. I mean, yes, as much, much as we love. Come on. Yeah. As much as I'd, I'd love to root for Rory McIlroy simply because I think he's a genuinely good person, there it's getting to the point where something is wrong is ma- in majors. And, and we'll get to that, I mean, before we move on. But the other conversation that we had on Sunday night it, that I and you and I disagreed on why I wanted to bring this up, and we had contended, actually this was Saturday night, that if he did not close out that lead, that he was going to be broken. That this one of all the ones that he let slip away was going to be the one that just hung on him like a like an anchor, and I countered saying that I've seen it too many times. I've spoken with Claude. I've spoken with his agent David Winkle. I've spoken with his trainer Joey G. All of these people I've spoken to about it. He's Teflon. Things don't stick to him. And as bad as that would have been on Sunday for that one to get away from him, I contend that he still would have been the same DJ. Claude told you and I that really cool story about a Chambers Bay. And the only flash of anger he saw was he threw his shoes down in the locker and it took him about two minutes to get over it. And he moved on probably would have taken more than two minutes, but he would have gotten by that one. This would have been the worst defeat of his career. There's with, oh, I'm not, he, no, that's he, not he, what I'm asking you. he, he, he wasn't ready to win the 2010 U S open. He wasn't ready to win the 2010 PJ when he grounded his club at a bunker. He wasn't ready to win when he blew it in, at Royal St. George's when he, when he shanked it out of bounds. He wasn't ready to uh, – actually, he probably was ready to win <laughs> at, at, at Chambers Bay when he, when he lost that one. Yeah. And he, and he kind of blew up with a Saturday 77 uh, at Shinnecock just a couple of years ago. This one would have hurt. Dustin Johnson has never it played. Hurt, but you were claiming this one has never played. Him, and I don't agree with that. Broken? I'm not sure I said broken. Yes. That, I said that, that it would have stung the most. Unfortunately. He doesn't have to live with that. And in fact, it's the opposite happened where, where DJ dug deep and hit what I thought was the shot of the tournament when his lead got dwindled down to just one shot and he, and he skied an eight iron in there to hit it to eight feet, poured in the putt, Sungjae missed, and, and just like that, his lead was restored to two shots. And those guys never got closer. I mean, that is the shot of the tournament, and it allowed him to, to play to his strengths the rest of the way, to take care of the par fives, and end up just absolutely putting it on cruise control. Give me the scene of the tournament on Sunday morning. You're watching DJ hit balls. There's someone hitting balls next to him. What did that scene look like? Go. I'm backing you against the wall on this one. Uh, it's my guy, Jordan. Jor- Jordan Spieth, who was, <laughs> who was teeing off at 10 at a very similar time. And, and I, I, can't, other side. I, have, I, have, I have to acknowledge my bias that I absolutely love Jordan Spieth. My, my entire professional career has kind of tracked his career 
uh, as well. And it was just so sad. This is this is a guy who Dustin Johnson. He hit a 56 degree sandwich for 14 consecutive minutes. I timed it. He literally did the same thing for 14 consecutive minutes. He was firing a sandwich over the left flag of the middle green over and over again. He would hit it. He would wipe his club face. He would look down at the track man and he'd go fire another one right next to him. Three feet away was Jordan, who's hitting push slices, toe hooks, chunks, skies. He's working himself into a tizzy because he, he knows that what he's about to do is, is not going to be very pretty. Arms going in the air, looking at Greller. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not even sure that in the best of times that this scene would have been all that dissimilar. But when you've got, when you've got two guys who are clearly going in opposite ends, um, or going in opposite ends of the spectrum for their career. It was certainly a, a telling scene. And I just hope, fingers crossed, that in two months when Jordan Spieth returns to the PGA Tour, he's, he's a little bit more uh, content than he, than he appeared to be on Sunday at the Augusta National Practice Area. That, that's gorgeous. I, I had to get you to tell that story. That, that's fantastic. So sad. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to relive that moment. We have spoken for more than 10 minutes, and somehow we have not touched on Bryson DeChambeau. He was all we talked about in this podcast last week, and that podcast did not age well, nor did any of the prognostications. No, it, yeah, of course it did. Yes, it did. Oh. It, it absolutely aged well, because you want to know why? Because the one I don't think either thing, one of us were happy with where he was with his game right then. That's why it aged well. First of all, first of all we both said that Rory was going to play better than Bryson, correct? He and did. That we certainly were. happened. And that's certainly, although that wasn't looking that good on, on, on Thursday. Um, and I, I just I actually just turned in like a thousand word follow on, on Bryson. And the, the theme was that Bryson was the first to acknowledge that it wasn't just going to be about length at Augusta National. I was one of the few reporters who talked to him on Monday of tournament week. And he said, I'll tell you, it's still about wedging and putting around here. If you don't do that well, you're not going to win. And newsflash, so why didn't you practice that? Newsflash, Rex, A, he didn't practice it. And B, it ended up biting him. And so I think that's the story of, of Bryson's 2020 Masters is, this, is, is the fact that he still has some learning to do. We, we both, it was, it was obvious at the time that the way that he was experimenting all the way up until basically game time. I mean, he's, he had two drivers in the bag for his nine-hole practice round on Wednesday. Like, what are you doing? To, to quote a famous uh, line from last week's podcast, Dance with the girl who brung you, Rex. This is this is a player who has been smashing. You've been, you've been practicing that all week. Five-inch driver. He has like for a week. You've been he, trying I, I that line. I absolutely yeah. nailed it. Did you hit Very flawless good. execution? But look, this is this is a guy who still led the Masters field in driving distance. Like he was still enjoying, and he got a, beat by Bernhard Langer. A significant advantage. But it all comes down to wedging and putting. Bryson was dreadful, dreadful with his irons. Remember when I said the DJ hit 60 greens? Bryson hit 44 greens. That's the sixth fewest in the field. But think about that. He's coming into every green with the least amount of club of anyone in the field because his driving distance is the furthest. And these greens are soft and receptive, more so than I think any player was envisioning it was going to be for a Masters. And he still underperformed that is the area of emphasis that bryson's going to key in on over the next four or five months there's no doubt about it and i think he'll come back better from this but i think on the other case you just have to take take it for what it is 
He finished in a tie for 34th. He still does not have a top 20 finish at Augusta National. And, and I don't want to make too light of this. Let, let's face it. He talked about, and he was a little vague about it, but there, he feel, he clearly feels like something is wrong. He, he's talked about not having energy, not being able to focus, having stomach pains. And so you, you don't want to make light of it. And you certainly hope that nothing is wrong. The one thing that I took out of it, and we had this conversation going back months now, and there was this concern that with a 48-inch driver, Bryson DeChambeau could break Augusta that suddenly we're starting to see things that we've never seen before. They're going to have to change the golf course. We didn't see that. It didn't come to pass. He didn't hit a putter in the 13 for a second shot. He didn't do all the things that people were worried about him doing. If he, and, if he hit putter on 13, uh, I don't like his chances. I mean, he's going to find the water. Sure. Sure. The Creek right in front and wait, wait to step on my punchline. I appreciate that though. Thank you. Uh, I, I think the one thing that I would take from this conversation is, is why? I mean, you and I can sit here and look at it just from 30,000 feet watching what he did last week and say, well, clearly he spent too much time focused on this 48-inch experiment, and he didn't spend enough time worrying about what he needed to, which was putting and chipping, learning these greens, all of the nuances of these greens. Without the greens book. Without the greens book, certainly that factors into it as well. But is that as simple as it gets? When we start talking about, and we're going to continue to have this conversation about Bryson, let's be honest. He is going to continue to threaten to break the game. We're going to continue to write headlines. There's going to be those who are in the rulemaking business who are going to continue to wring their hands because they know this is going to be a problem. Uh, what, what's going on there, man? You can't. Wait, you okay? Everything all right? You you, you seem the cat. The cat's getting a little frisky. There's yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. the cat. The cat is potentially going to cause some trouble here. We 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 had to delay the full disclosure here. We had to delay the taping of the podcast because someone was. Uh, Single, a, single dadding, yes. Single dadding today, which I wanted Cam on the podcast. I thought it could only be better. It couldn't be worse. <laughs> he probably would have nailed dance with the with the girl you, who brought you. Yeah. No, I did it that. wrong again. Yeah, you did it wrong. Again. But my <laughs> point is, I mean, as we look going forward, I'm just curious as you study this, is it as simple as don't give him a greens book? Or it has to be more complicated and nuanced than that? Because I truly believe that whatever it is that held Bryson back, and let's face it, Coming off of what he did at the U.S. Open, he was the clear favorite for a lot of very, very legitimate reasons. However, the fact that he did not do anything close to what we thought he was going to do, I would love to know what that kernel is. That, okay, going forward, why, why? Why was this golf course able to stare at all the flaws that still remain in his game and expose them, whereas Wingfoot was not? I want to be very, very clear here, Rex, and I think it's important to, important to point out. Careful, his I think driving, the cat is coming at you. His driving was still better than anyone in the field. He led in the strokes gain category. He led the field in driving distance. He hit 69% of the fairways. There are countless examples when you go through this golf course where he did, as predicted, have a significant advantage. Flying the bunkers on one, flying the bunkers on five, hitting just a, like a sand wedge into 13. I mean, these are things that, that he said were going to happen, and they happened. The issue is that he was not able to fully capitalize on that advantage. And and he talked about it afterward. And look, I, th- I think you're right in that we we don't know for sure the big of how, how big of a role that his health played in this. He, I think he pegged himself at about 60% health last week at the Masters, which you know you're, you, you need to be firing all cylinders to beat DJ. But wedge play has always been his bugaboo. He has never been a good wedge player. I, I looked it up. 
from 125 to 150 yards, which is the area that Bryson DeChambeau is going to live in on the PGA Tour now that he's the longest hitter. He's last season ranked 169th on the PGA Tour, and that was his best season on tour. Bryson chalked it up to something he's going to try and work on the golf ball and something that's going to spin a little bit less, kind of throwing Bridgestone under the bus. But look, you give him four or five months to figure it out and to really nail down what is his main deficiency, which is wedge play. I'm not going to bet against him because his game plan was correct. He showed signs of optimism and encouragement for how he could play Augusta National. He just wasn't at this time able to fully capitalize on it. I think if you give him four or five months, you give him the 48-inch driver, you give him time to work on a golf ball and work on a wedge swing and the clock system in which he's trying to, to dial in, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put it past him that he's gonna figure it out. You picked it perfectly. Five months that we are away from the next major, which happens to be the Masters. Will he be the favorite? No, Dustin Johnson will. I don't know about that. What I, do you I think don't is know. Change the next five months. Oh, I'm sure Bryson will win something, and I'm sure DJ will win something before we get there on the West Coast in Florida, whatever the case. Bryson's may be. only goal in 2021 is going to be to win the Masters. He will devote all of his time, his energy, his resources, his game planning, his mindset, his training. It's all geared toward that one week, which I think is a mistake. I want, I want to be clear. And Bryson traditionally, and we brought up on the podcast last week, does not fare well when he is the guy under the microscope and under the spotlight. Traditionally, that is not an area in which he succeeds, and last week was further proof. By the end of the week, he looked absolutely gassed. I think it's A, because he wasn't feeling well, and B, a lot of the pressure and the stress, a lot of it which was self-inflicted, just finally caught up with him. A and lot it, of it? Just, I it would just, say all just, of it was self-inflicted. It just, it just wore him out. No, and I say he's going to be the favorite, and not because there's any legitimacy to it. I mean, I can think... You, you can certainly be able to make an argument that DJ should be the favorite. You should make an argument that Rory should be the favorite. You can keep going down the line. However, I think Bryson will be the favorite because the wise guys and the people who are making these bets, they absolutely love the idea that he can show up with his 48-inch driver and turn this into a pitch and putt. That's why he's going to be the favorite. It's, it's based on – it's a futures bet is essentially what it's going to be. And I truly I mean, believe if, if you, we're if going you, to be you, in the you, exact you, same spot five months from now that we were last week where we're having to tell our producers and our editors, yes, I'm going to write about Bryson again today. And that's that's just the world that we live in right now, simply because he is going to be that beacon of media that's going to draw everything to him. I mean, if you don't like money, you can go ahead and set it on fire right now. Bryson's 9-1. to one. You, can, you can go ahead and burn it. I mean, DJ's 7-1. to one. I think Rory was 10-1. to one. I think JT was 11-1, to one, something along those lines. You got to put Bryson somewhere until we see – improved wedge play, which at this point we know is going to be critical, especially I think you have to figure that Augusta National is going to play firmer and faster than it did in November. It, it really can't play. <laughs> it can't play any softer. It can't play so any softer. It, so that's going to put even more of a premium on iron and, and wedge play. And until he figures that out, if he fit, if he figures that out, um, I don't see how you can possibly put him ahead of DJ. I would put Justin Thomas second. I You're put, using I golf reason, and that's a mistake here. I mean, again, I'm I'm talking about who is going to be the betting favorite, and the wise guys. If we're don't if we're golf. if we're trying to give advice for these guys, don't don't light your money on oh, fire. Don't don't light your money on fire. I would have, but we said the same thing in last Tuesday's podcast, and I don't think that's the way the money went. I don't think people were listening to us, so I wouldn't expect it to happen again today. 
I, I, we're going to go into the speed round here because we have to touch on a lot of players and we need to get out of here. Uh, Rory McIlroy, give me your thoughts on his week. Here's the only stat you need for Rory. And oh, I'm, boy. I, 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 have it, I, have it, I have it handy because I need to talk about it tomorrow. Rory McIlroy is 64 under par in the majors since, 24, since the 2014 PGA, his last major victory, in rounds two through four. Let me say that again. 64 under par rounds two through four. He is 28 over par in the first round. I'm not good at math, Rex, but that is 92 shots difference. First round to rounds two through four. That is, that is pressure. That is anxiety. That is stress in a stat. I'm not sure what needs to happen. I don't know if he needs to see a sports psychologist. I don't know if he needs to not play a practice round. I don't know if he needs to not show up on, on property until Thursday morning. But something needs to change because he will not win a major when he continues to, to work himself into a lather like this. R- Rory said last week in the broadcast that he loses 10 to 15 pounds during Masters Week because of stress. That should set off alarm bells for you. In what in yeah. what world is that normal? Is that natural? Especially for a guy who talks about how he he doesn't like to play under that type of environment, in that type of environment. That's it's just so concerning to me. Like I, I always thought that Roy would win one. Now I'm really not so sure. And what gets me is it's self-imposed. That's the problem here, right? I mean, so we go back to Dustin, and look, I was thrown by how much emotion he showed on Sunday. I did a story today on GolfChannel.com talking with people who know him the best about did you expect that? And what he showed coming down the stretch, not being able to eat the peanut butter sandwich because it tasted like sandpaper, that was all internal. It was pressure. It was very much pressure, but that was coming from inside. What Rory, I think, is succumbing to in this particular situation is all of this external pressure. And there is tons. I mean, we all, regardless of how much under, quote unquote, under the spotlight he tries to make it out to be coming into this week, he's getting asked about the Grand Slam. He's getting asked about finally winning this tournament. He's getting asked why he struggles in the first round of majors. All of these things keep building up in the back of his mind. And it is a problem. And for someone who is, I don't want to say enlightened because that's, that seems to be overly simplistic. But for someone who does take the time to search within, more so than probably a lot of other athletes in our sport, it, it is a bit surprising because it seems to me he would be the one guy that would be able to compartmentalize it enough to not let it get to him to the point that he has a 90-something yard stroke differential between the first and the second, third, and fourth rounds. I mean, there's, there's a reason, Rex, why the five players – who ended up completing the Grand Slam, they all needed no more than three attempts because the longer you go, the more scar tissue you build up, the more tension that happens each year it goes passing, it becomes more unlikely that you're going to win. So at this point, now Rory was going to be entering his seventh attempt next April. I, I, I mean, it, it becomes a point where if he were to get it done, it would be historic because no one has ever gone this long between waiting for that final leg and again, there's a lot of players in golf history who won the three legs and couldn't get the last. And until I'm Rory not willing figures to it out, write him off yet. No, I'm not willing. No, to of course not. He's, no, he's, he's, 30, he he's, he's he's 31 years old. However, yeah. he needs to figure something out. And I think the sports psychologist is probably 
probably the way to go there. All right, plow through it. Tiger Woods, go. More of the same. Uh, just to just to be simple, I mean, he hasn't finished inside the top 35 since the restart. I he had an absolute disastrous day on Sunday. I know people want to talk about the five of the last six holes. Our that he podcast birdied. last week almost didn't age well after that first round. But we all knew that was going to happen. As soon as Tiger needed to play 26 you holes on Saturday, that. you were as nervous as I was. <laughs> Zero chance we claimed. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wipe that one off the internet. Um, <laughs> but I, look, he's he's. He's just not that good. He's just not that good right now. There's that's all there is to it. Not on a consistent basis. I would agree with that. Uh, biggest disappointment last week. Are you saying is Tiger the biggest disappointment last week? No, I'm asking. In, oh, in oh, who, who that is? I did it next to Tiger seems to suggest where I was heading. But what was your biggest disappointment last week? Uh, I think Roy opening was 75. Was the biggest disappointment. I thought the way that uh, Xander Shoffley played. Uh, particularly on Friday was disappointing shooting 73 after opening with a 67. I've picked him to win basically every major over the last three years. And I feel, I feel a little hurt. Uh, the way JT on Saturday, I was a little, little disappointed, a little surprised by that. I think, I think he was as well. (laughs) I think, I think, I think JT was a little ticked off as well. My biggest disappointment is Philip Lindsay. 0.2 0.2 points last week. I appreciate that. I gave Lavner the keys to my fantasy team on Sunday and it didn't go well. Would you like to know how much I lost to my son by? Hopefully it wasn't the difference between Rojo and Philip Lindsay. 90-something points. Very, very similar to what, what uh, Rory has done between the first and three uh, next three rounds at the major so you, championship. You think, so you think that, that 15 points that I cost you, was, it, was the difference there? There was a lot going on that's there. Just, yeah. That's just called bad drafting. All right, before we get out of here, then the final, and this is the question that everyone needs to know, number of egg salad sandwiches. Uh, do we really have to say this? Sure, give it a shot. I'm gonna. I'm going to say. I know, but yeah, go ahead. So I had five chicken sandwiches. Uh, Ooh, I had so six six Masters clubs. My. Um, I had a chicken biscuit every single morning. You did. Uh, in addition to the uh, cinnamon roll, which was which <laughs> just which just divine. And I had fourteen egg salad sandwiches. 14. Do you eat your feelings? Is that what you do? Is that what you're just doing? Are you eating your I'm a, feelings? I'm a I'm a nervous eater. If 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 Rory is losing ten to fifteen pounds because of stress, you're gaining week, I, I think <laughs> I think I'm gaining twenty just based on egg salad. Twenty seems high. Egg salad sandwiches. Uh, your cardiologist is online too. <laughs> That'll do it for this Gosford podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. 
The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.